Well, good morning, River West Church. It's so good to be with you again. I cannot believe that it's been a week already since we were together like this. And so I want to ask you this morning, how are you doing? Honestly, how are you doing there in your homes? How's the cabin fever treating you? Are your children driving you nuts yet? I want you to know this morning, I've got some good news. I have a little bit of relief for you in your cabin fever. I brought with me a little shot of joy to brighten your days. Her name is Winnie, and she is the newest member of the McMurray family. Hi, Winnie. Hi, sweetie. (laughs) She's super tired right now. We added a dog. It's the first decision, the first bad decision, probably of many, that I'll make during the apocalypse. Right, Winnie? Yes, because we're running out of toilet paper, but at least we have a puppy. Yes. So there you go, River West. Feel the joy. Feel the joy. Thanks, Bridget. Thanks, Bridget. So listen, I got to tell you, church, how proud I have been over this past week to be a part of this community of faith. Church, you guys have blown us away. We've heard the stories of how you're connecting with each other in creative ways. We've heard the stories of how you're caring for your neighbors. We have received countless phone calls and emails from so many of you asking, how can we give? How can we reach out to someone? How can we serve? How can we be a blessing right now in our community? It has been amazing. And I want to say thank you. And I want to say, let's keep going. What an opportunity we have, church, during these days to do something redemptive. Keep in mind your neighbors, your friends, people around you who have no hope. Remember that you carry around inside of you the hope of Jesus Christ. Will you let it shine this week? Thank you for that. Well, last Sunday, I shared with you a message entitled, Where to Go When You Need a Bigger Vision of God. I shared that message out of Psalm 34. If you missed that message, I want to encourage you to go back. It's online. In that message, I read a prayer, Psalm 34, that's a prayer that will bless you. It's a prayer that will guide you through these strange days. And here's what we did as a leadership team. We decided to make a pivot away from our Luke series so that over the next couple of weeks, we're not going to be preaching out of Luke. We felt like in these days where there's so much uncertainty, there's so much fear, some people are experiencing panic, some people are experiencing boredom, every emotion you can imagine, panic, boredom, fear, annoyance, isolation, it just felt right to take a few Sundays, today included, where we go to passages in God's word that lift our eyes up, that increase our faith, that allow us to see a vision of God that's bigger than all of this that we're experiencing. We need to see how great God is. We need to see his majesty. We need to see his sovereignty. We need to see the saving power and the love, the omnipotence, the all-knowing God of the universe. And so that's what we'll be doing over the next few weeks. And this morning, I could not be more excited for where we're going. Will you grab your Bible and open with me to the book of Isaiah, 
chapter 40 is where we're going to go, a beautiful passage. We won't study the whole passage today. In fact, we're going to look at the latter half of Isaiah 40, starting in verse 12. As you turn there, here's what I want to say to you. If you were to ask me to summarize in one word the vision of God that we get in Isaiah 40, the word that I would choose is the word balance. Balance. I know it's an odd word, probably not what you were expecting me to say, kind of an interesting word, but I want you to think with me about this this morning for just a minute. I would argue that what we need more than anything right now, church, is a vision of God that is balanced. Balanced. And that's what Isaiah 40 gives us. In Isaiah 40, Isaiah is going to show us two truths about God. Both of them are critical. Both of them are important. But the truths that we're going to look at this morning, at first they're going to appear to be opposite of one another, and yet they must be held together in absolute balance. First, Isaiah wants to show us that God is infinitely exalted above us. He's in a class all by himself. God is totally unique. He's totally other. Oh, my friends, how much we need this vision of God in these days. A vision of the transcendent God. That's the big, fancy theological word that theologians use. We're talking about God's transcendence. God is not just bigger than us, although he is that. Transcendence means that God is in a totally different category. He's nothing like us. That's what we're going to see if you look at your Bibles in verses 12 through 26. But then Isaiah is going to show us that God is also intensely close and personal. He's intimately involved in the affairs of his people. Think of how much, my friends, we need this vision of God. The big fancy word that theologians use to describe the God who is close, the God who is relational, the word they use is the word imminent, the imminence of God. God is right there with you. So we have the transcendence of God, the, his majesty, his sovereignty, but we also have the imminence of God, the God of the scriptures, the God that we love. He's close, he's with us, he's relational, he's personal, he's with you. Think of the power, my friends, when those two traits are held together in balance. And think of the problems you have when those get out of balance. It's interesting, I was thinking this week, we take balance so for granted in our lives. But have you ever watched a toddler learn how to walk? Right when toddlers learn how to walk, they've got momentum going, but what they often don't have going for them is balance. And it's often hilarious, sometimes it's dangerous, right? Or here's another illustration. Imagine that you're listening to music in perfect surround sound and suddenly one of your speakers goes out and the whole experience gets out of balance. Or imagine you have both of your AirPods in but one falls out. You can still hear the music but there's no more balance, there's no more surround. You can hear it but it's uncomfortable, it's awkward, it's out of balance. Isaiah wants to say, 
You need to keep both of these, God's transcendence and his imminence in balance. And what happens is for many, many people, we overemphasize one or we neglect the other, and that is often the cause of so many of our problems in the Christian faith. Enter stage right, Isaiah chapter 40, where we get this perfectly balanced, beautiful vision of the God that we love and serve. Will you look at it with me? I'm going to read you the first couple verses here. Isaiah 40, verses 12 through 14. Here's what Isaiah said first. He said, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span, enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows his counsel, shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult? And who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? It's really interesting. Did you notice how Isaiah in this passage, when he begins it, there's this repetition of these rhetorical questions all beginning with the question, who, 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 who? Isaiah says, who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Who's marked off the heavens with the span? Who, who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Who, who did God seek for counsel? Who did God seek for understanding? Who taught God the path of justice? Who, who did this? Who did this? And of course, the answer that is implied with all of these who's is not me. Not you, not us. We didn't counsel God. We can't, we can't create like God. We can't handle the elements of creation like God. What's Isaiah doing here? It's, it's absolutely brilliant what he's doing here. Isaiah, he's saying, I, I want you to get a vision of the transcendence of God, but here's where I've got to begin. In or, if you're ever going to see how omnipotent and awesome and transcendent God really is. The very first thing that you have to do is you have to remove yourself from the center of the picture. You have to start there. Isaiah says, God is nothing like you and I. He's not just a bigger version of me. God is not a projection of me where I, I start with my understanding of myself and then I, I build to something bigger. That, that's not how you're going to get a vision of the transcendence of God. But Isaiah knows that's how we often do it. Often our vision of God is just a projection of ourselves. And Isaiah says that will never work. We don't need a God who's like us, friends. A God who is like us is not good. He's not great. He doesn't have power. He cannot save. We need someone who's not like us. We need a God who's transcendent. And so isn't it interesting? Isaiah starts out in verse 12 with this crazy vision of God handling the ingredients of the created world. Did you see that? Look at your Bibles at verse 12. We have God manipulating the waters in the palm of his hand. We have God in control of all of the dust that makes up the earth. We have the vision of God in the whole span of the universe. Every star in the galaxy 
that's right there between his fingertips. It's a vision of the transcendent creator God. And the idea is that for God, the act of creating was effortless. God never broke a sweat. Have you ever thought about that? We break a sweat all the time, not God. God's not like us, folks. God's never broken a sweat. Isaiah says, who's measured the waters in the palm of his hand? Can you imagine all of the waters of the earth in the palm of God's hand? That's how big God is. Amazing vision. If you want to see how amazing that vision is, go to your bathtub, fill your bathtub with water, and try to scoop all of the water from your bathtub out of the bathtub just with the palm of your hand. You say, Pastor, why in the world would I ever do that? I don't know. It's an illustration. Go with me. Think about it. How long would it take you? And here's the vision of God with every single drop of water on planet Earth, and it fits in the palm of his hand. Amazing. This phrase in verse 12 where it says God's marked off the heavens with a span. In the Hebrew, that word for span, it describes the distance between your thumb and your fingertip. And Isaiah says, imagine all of the stars in the galaxy. They fit between God's thumb and his finger. Amazing. You know the closest star to us, other than our own sun, that star is called Alpha Centauri. It's so far away that light that leaves that star, the moment it leaves that star, it takes just over four years to reach our Earth, you and I, when we look at it. That's what we mean when we say it's four light years away. It's light traveling at the speed of light, leaving the closest star to us takes four. That light that you're seeing, think about it, it's four years old. That's how far away that star is. There's another star that you can see with the naked eye, and actually, it's not even a star. It's another universe that cosmologists have named Andromeda, and that universe, Andromeda, is so big, and it's so close, it's about 2.5 million light years away, that it looks to the naked eye like a star, when in fact, it's made up of over a trillion stars itself, a trillion stars in this one galaxy, Andromeda, that's so far away that we see it and we think it's a one single star. And Isaiah says this, he says, now take all of those trillions of stars, all of that span of the universe, it fits between God's thumb and his fingertip. My friends, God is not like us. He's not like us. He's totally transcendent. God's never broken a sweat. When he created, when he set every star in the heavens, he didn't even break a sweat. And not only that, Isaiah goes on. He says, did you know God has never had to learn anything? He's not like us. We look at it. Isaiah said, who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Verse 13. Verse 14. Whom did he consult? Who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice? Who taught him 
knowledge. Isaiah says, when did God ever need to seek outside counsel? When did God need to go see a counselor? When did God need to seek help from someone else? When did God discover he needed to learn something? Isaiah says, not once, never, unthinkable. God is transcendent. It's something that's so basic to us. Learning, coming to the realization I don't know something is such a part of my human condition. It's almost impossible for me to imagine that God has never experienced that. I love the quote. I've shared this before. It's one of the greatest quotes I've ever heard about this. It goes like this. Think about it. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Isn't that great? God's never had an aha moment. He's never had a moment where he went, oh my gosh, I figured it out. God's never learned anything. He's never had anything dawn on him. He's never had an epiphany. There's no human being who will ever teach God anything. He's never broken a sweat. He's never learned, but also, and this is amazing, God has never felt threatened by anything. It's interesting when Isaiah turns now to verse 15, he begins to talk about the nations. We look at it, he says, Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket. And are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like the dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. And the reader's reading this and thinking, why is Isaiah talking about the nations now? Well, you got to remember, for the people of Israel, they were surrounded by all of these mighty empires. And all of them were a threat to Israel. The Israelites were constantly surrounded by people who were daunting and powerful and attacking. And so for the people of Israel, the nations were a threat to them. And Isaiah says, those nations, they're, they're, they're nothing to God. God's never felt even remotely threatened, no matter how powerful they are. Even we, River West, it's so tempting for us to look around the globe and be mesmerized by the power and the resources, these massive global nations, and and think they're immense and they're powerful. For God, they're like a, a, a piece of dust on a scale. Isn't it fascinating in this whole coronavirus thing? Have you ever thought about how the coronavirus has literally brought the entire planet to its knees, leveled the playing field? All of our technology, all of our advancements, all of our medicine, all of our wealth, all of our power, all of our influence, none of it has been able to stop this tiny little virus that's brought us all to our knees, exposed how vulnerable we are, how powerless we are, how truly mortal we are. So important. The two metaphors that Isaiah uses here are very vivid. We look at them there in verse 15. He describes the nations like a single drop from a bucket. 
Imagine if you were walking with a bucket of water and one little drop fell out. Would you go back and try to scoop that drop out of the dust? No, that drop is meaningless to you. You would just move on. Isaiah goes on, he says, imagine a tiny little piece of dust on a scale. So there you are, you're at, you're at whole paycheck. You're at Whole Foods, and, and, and the checker is, is weighing your, your quinoa, and you know it's going to be $67 or whatever. And there you are, you're looking, and you look at the scale, and you see a tiny little fragment of dust. And even though that quinoa is going to cost you your entire paycheck, are you going to worry about that tiny little dust? No, it's meaningless. It's nothing. Isaiah says that, that's, that's, that's what the nations, the threat of the nations. He's not saying God doesn't care about the nations. We know this is not true from the rest of Scripture. God cares deeply about every tribe, every tongue, every nation. What Isaiah is saying is, when the nations rage, when the nations rebel, which they do constantly against God, God doesn't break a sweat. He doesn't worry. It's nothing to him. Isaiah says... It's, it's less than nothing. Did you see that? It's, it's, it's emptiness. Friends, God's not like us. He's totally transcendent. He never breaks a sweat. He never learns. He never worries. He's never threatened. Nothing surprises God. Nothing's happening in our world that's caught God off guard. God is totally transcendent. How we need that vision of God. But that's not all we need. That's not all we need. And so thank heavens for Isaiah. He's going to show us something else. We look back at your Bibles. We're going to skip down now, all the way down to verse 25. You can read the verses in between, but they repeat many of the themes we've just talked about. But what I want to show you now, especially starting in verse 25 and 26, Isaiah is going to make a pivot here. It's a critical pivot from transcendence to Imminence, And I wonder if you'll notice it. Let me read verse 25. He says, To whom then will you compare me? This is God speaking through his prophet Isaiah. To whom then will you compare me? That I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their host by number. God's talking about, when he talks about the host, he's talking about the stars in heaven. This invitation to go out and look up at the stars, it would have been particularly poignant for the people of God because they would have been in captivity in Babylon at this point. And the Babylonians, we, we may remember, the Babylonians were astrologers. They were stargazers, but they, they didn't just gaze at the stars. They actually worshipped the stars. They, they viewed the stars as deities themselves. And they believed that the movement of the stars and the patterns in the stars were controlling the destinies of human beings. But the Israelites in captivity knew better. They knew there was a creator God who was behind those stars in the first place. And so Isaiah... He goes on. He, he describes his creator. He says, he's calling them all by name. All of these stars, God calls them by name. By the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Isaiah says, 
Go outside tonight. And you can do this if it's not raining. Go outside. Lay down. Look up into the stars. And remember that God is so massive. He's so transcendent. He not only said every single one of those stars in the cosmos, but he actually has a name for each one of them. Did you know that there are 5,000 stars that are visible to the naked eye? Just 5,000 that we can see. There are 250 billion stars in the Milky Way in our galaxy. And as I already told you, there's over a trillion stars in Andromeda, which is another galaxy. And we're still discovering galaxy after galaxy after galaxy. But cosmologists predict that there's over 100 billion galaxies in the universe. You start to count up the stars. And then you read Isaiah 40 and you realize the God that we serve created every single one of those stars. He knows the difference between each one of them. And he's called them by name. This is mind-bending. And my friends, if God knows the name of each of those stars, surely he knows your name. This is the God who's not just transcendent. This is the God who is close, personal, relational. He loves you. Oh, if he loves the stars, how much does he love you? He knows your name. You're not alone in this universe. You're not unseen. God sees you. He knows what you're going through. Look what Isaiah does next. Breathtaking. One of the most famous passages in the Bible. You know it. He goes on. He says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Isaiah is saying, this God who named every single star, how could you possibly say that this God doesn't know you? That this God, that your way is hidden from him? It's not possible. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wing, with, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint." Beautiful. How tragic that we've turned this scripture into a picture with an eagle soaring on it and an inspirational phrase. This passage is one of the most beautiful pictures of the imminence of God. God knows you. God loves you. Even in that moment where you feel faint and weary. Did you notice the repetition of that over and over? Faint and weary, faint and weary. Even youths will become faint and weary. River West Church, can I ask you something? Are you there yet? <laughs> Are you faint and weary? Are you hurting? Are your kids driving you crazy? <laughs> Are you starting to feel panic? Are your human resources letting you down? God sees you. It's tempting when you get to that moment to think, where is God in this? Has God abandoned me? My friends, 
God has not abandoned you. He's with you. God's heart is to meet you in your moment of greatest weakness and to empower you with his strength. That's this vision of the eagle. I love this vision. Isaiah describes the way an eagle flies, how an eagle will mount up. Maybe you've seen images of this on YouTube or on the internet, but one of the ways that eagles can ascend into the heavens is they draft on the wind. They, they don't even have to flap their wings to, to gain altitude because the wind will they'll open their wings and they'll catch the draft and it will immediately cause them to rise. And Isaiah is doing something here. He's saying there's this thing that you can do that can get you positioned to harness God's power and his encouragement in your life. The way that an eagle harnesses the wind, Isaiah says, you can harness the imminent relational love and power of God. And did you see how we do it? So we don't do it like an eagle. An eagle spreads their wings and they catch the wind. Isaiah says, the way that humans do this, who who know God, who love God, did you see the secret? It's right there in the beginning of verse 31. He says, those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength and God will give them power. Here's how you do it, my friends. Wait for the Lord. Wait on God. Does that sound passive? Does that sound like a cop-out? Does that sound like you're not doing anything? Let me tell you something. It's just the opposite. Waiting on God is one of the most difficult, focused things you will ever do. It takes all of your might to wait on God. And you have an opportunity right now during this time when you're locked up in your home to begin to exercise a muscle that for many of us, this muscle has atrophied because we almost never use it. It's the muscle of waiting. Sitting in God's presence, the psalmist says, be still. Be still and know that I'm God. Wait on God. Don't rush, don't hurry, don't control, don't manipulate your life situations. Don't try to take back control from God. No, let it go. No matter how panicked, weary, faint, overwhelmed, frustrated, fill in the blank, what's the emotion you're feeling? Take that emotion, sit down, read Isaiah 40, calm yourself and say, God, I choose to wait for you. And then experience that flood, that wind of God's power in your life. I promise you, he'll meet you there, my friends. If you get that vision of God in your faith right now, I think it will carry you through. This perfect balance, how we need it. The transcendent God, powerful, majestic, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-present, wise but also close, intimate, personal. He loves you. Have you ever thought about this, my friends? And I'll close here. Where is the one place in our world where those two attributes of God came together in a single person? It was the person of Jesus Christ. Not just in the person of Christ, but in the work of, think of this, in the death 
and resurrection of Jesus, what do we see? We see the most profound picture of the transcendent power of God being exerted in Christ's death and resurrection. And not just power, not just transcendence, but intimate love. Imagine the face of Jesus hanging on the cross, looking at you. What is the look that's in his eyes? It's a look of love. It's a look of relationship. It's a look that says, I've come to bring all of the power and all of the joy and all of the love of God into your life through my death and my resurrection. Oh, how I pray you'll receive that today. God bless you, my friends. There's a couple things I want to share with you this morning as we close. First of all, we're going to add again to the end of this sermon a time of worship. We invite you, Colin and Meg have recorded some worship music. Will you sing along with whoever's there in your home, your friends, your family, maybe neighbors have gathered, worship along. And then right away, we'll put up on the screen some questions for reflection that I've written. You can just hit the pause button if you want. Or those questions are there uh, in, a, in a hyperlink. You can just push on the link on the page that says questions for reflection. And you can right there with your family just discuss a little bit what you've heard from Isaiah 40. If you'd like to give today as an act of worship, you can give even though we're not together. You can give online. Uh, there's directions on our webpage for how to give online. There's also instructions in the happenings. Or you can mail a gift into the church, 2000 Country Club Road, Lake Oswego. All of those instructions are in the happenings. A couple of things I'd like to say. Many of you are looking for ways to connect right now or to serve. Some of you are looking for ways to share prayer requests. Right now, there's information about all of those kinds of things in the happenings. How you can connect in community. How you can serve right now in our community. How you can give how you can share a prayer request. Go to the happenings to check that out. The last thing I want to share, I'm super excited about this. All of our pastors have been recording mini three to six minute devotionals out of the word. And those devotionals are beginning to go live each and every day on our webpage starting Monday. So look for those. You'll be encouraged. And with that, let me say a prayer. Heavenly Father, how we want to say thank you for this vision that Isaiah gives us. And really, we know it did not come from Isaiah at all. It came from your mind, your heart. You inspired it in your servant, your prophet Isaiah, as he was carried along by the Holy Spirit to write this incredible poem and how we need it, Lord. We want to be people, Father, who carry around in our lives this perfect, balanced vision of who you are. Transcendent, imminent, not like us, powerful, but also close, loving, relational. We thank you for it, Father. It's changed our lives. And so we rejoice together and we pray these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.